I started to have some issues with the adhesive. And so my skin was reacting a lot and it was kind of destroying my skin all over. Like I couldn't find a spot to put a fresh side on because I had rashes everywhere and it was just so frustrating and painful. And then um, the alarms of Dexcom started to get to me also. And so, you know, I'd be in pain from this rash and then all of a sudden Dexcom's beeping at me that I'm high. I'm like, I know I just ate breakfast and, you know, I should have pre-bolused. I know I'm high. Like I, I didn't want to hear the alarm and I was frustrated with the rashes. And so I was just getting really burnt out. Welcome to the Diabetes Psychologist Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Mark Heyman, and I invite you to join us as we talk candidly about the emotional challenges of living with type 1 diabetes. We'll give you actionable strategies to help you face these challenges head on, reduce your stress, and most importantly, live a full life without letting diabetes get in the way. Hey there, a quick question for you. Does type 1 diabetes make you feel stuck? Do you feel like type 1 limits you and makes it harder to do the things that you want to do? If so, I have a free guide that can help you get unstuck and become more flexible in your life with type 1 diabetes. To download your free copy, go to www.thediabetespsychologist.com backslash get unstuck. That's thediabetespsychologist.com backslash get unstuck. And be sure to follow me on Instagram at the Diabetes Psychologist for access to even more exclusive content. Welcome to the Diabetes Psychologist podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Mark Heyman. On this episode, we're talking about how diabetes technology can impact your mental health. There are so many benefits to using diabetes technology, things like CGMs, insulin pumps, but we don't always want to recognize there could also be some downsides. These challenges are not necessarily deal breakers, but I really think we need to be real about them. We can't work to address these issues if we don't even recognize they're there. My guest today is Mary Anderson. Mary is 22 years old, and she's a third grade teacher in Central Virginia. She was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes about a year and a half ago during her senior year of college. Mary has been very open about how using diabetes technology has affected her mental health, and she shares some great tips about how she's dealt with these challenges. Mary is really a great example of the importance of being flexible with diabetes and not being scared to make changes when something isn't working for you. I think you'll find her honesty about her struggles with technology really refreshing. Here's my conversation with Mary. So Mary, thanks so much for joining me today. I really appreciate your time. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. So tell me, let's start off by having you tell me a little bit about yourself and about your diagnosis experience with diabetes. I, re- I realized you diagnosed not too long ago. Yeah. So I am a elementary, I'm an elementary school teacher from Virginia. I'm 22. I was diagnosed with diabetes just over a year and a half ago. I was 21. It was winter break of my senior year of college. And so leading up to that, that whole fall semester, I dealt with all the classic symptoms. Um, I was drinking tons of water, frequent urination. I lost about 30 pounds in a month right before my diagnosis. And I was so tired. I remember showering and then I'd be so exhausted from just showering. I'd have to take a two hour nap. I would just be so, I was just drained. And so finally I went to the doctor and 
luckily my family doctor knows my whole family history and he's familiar with all of us. So that helps a lot. And they ordered a bunch of blood tests and urine tests. And then finally I was there about to get my blood work done. And they're like, actually, we need to check your blood sugar. We're going to take you back to the room. We're going to prick your finger real quick. And I'm just like, okay, just kind of going along with it, not expecting anything big or serious at all. And so I go back and I just remember so clearly the woman, the nurse practitioner pricked my finger. She looked at the meter and then she immediately didn't say anything. She just went straight to the door and opened the door. And my doctor was already right, right outside the door about to walk in. And he goes, what is it? And she says, 439. And then he just looks straight to me and he's like, you're diabetic. <laughs> and then from there, it was just, it's a blur. So much happened. All of a sudden they're pulling in the insulin pins and they're telling me all this stuff. And I was like, hold on, hold on. <laughs> like, what is happening? And so definitely flipped my whole world upside down. There's no history of it in my family. So definitely was blindsided by that. And especially getting a diagnosis as a young adult is just so different. I've lived 21 years without having to count carbs, give myself shots, none of that. And so it was definitely a big adjustment. Were you hospitalized? I was not, luckily, thankfully. I wasn't in DKA. They managed to, you know, I gave myself my first two insulin shots right there. And then they said, all right, we're sending you home. It was right before Christmas. And then they made an appointment for me with an endocrinologist um, about a week after Christmas. And so they're like, we'll call you and check in. And so they would call every couple of days and get my blood sugar readings and make adjust adjustments um, in the time frame before between my diagnosis and my endocrinologist appointment. So tell me about your journey with technology, because that's what we want to talk about today is your ups ups and downs and the mental health challenges that you've experienced in with diabetes technology. So tell me when you, when did you start getting, when did you first get on diabetes technology after your diagnosis? So right after I was diagnosed is when I joined the diabetic online community and started seeing all the posts of people sharing the Dexcom and Libre and all the different pumps. And immediately I was like, I want that. And so I was diagnosed in late December and I got Dexcom in February. So it was only two months. I was like, I want a CGM. I want to know my blood sugar. I don't want to have to be like, am I high? Am I low? I wanted that like first and foremost, I wanted a CGM. So I got Dexcom in February of 2019 And then in May, I got on Omnipod. And so it was pretty quick right after my diagnosis. I jumped right into the technology. And so I, and really I am happy not using a pump, but it's just for my lifestyle, it was so much easier. And it helped me so much, especially in a classroom, um, having tubeless pumps and not having to give myself shots in a classroom. (laughs) Um, And so... Dexcom was great, but then I noticed really in the past um, six months-ish, I guess more than that now, I started to have some issues with the adhesive. And so my skin was reacting a lot and it was kind of destroying my skin all over. Like I couldn't find a spot to put a fresh side on because I had rashes everywhere and it was just so frustrating and painful. And then... um, the alarms of Dexcom started to get to me also. And so, you know, I'd be in pain from this rash and then all of a sudden Dexcom's beeping at me that I'm high. I'm like, I know I just ate breakfast and, you know, I should have pre-bolused. I know I'm high. Like I I didn't want to hear the alarm and I was frustrated with the rashes. And so I was just getting really burnt out 
And I finally talked to my endo and I was like, hey, I know Libre is another option. I'd like to try that. And so I switched to Libre in April of 2020. So I was on Dexcom for a little over a year before I switched. And Libre has made it so much easier for me. And I don't react to the adhesives, which is super, super nice. And, you know, right now I don't have alarms, but the Libre 2 has got the optional alarms. So I'm excited to switch to that. But it's nice not having, you know, numbers constantly. Yeah. So it sounds like there are like three different things going on here. First of all, just the skin issue. I mean, that, that had to have been annoying. Oh, yeah, it was awful. And I would put on, you know, hydrocortisone cream and I'm trying all these different things to prevent the rashes. I've got stuff I'm putting on my skin before applying a site. I'm putting things in between my skin and the Dexcom adhesive. Uh, and it was still just I could not find relief. And it was awful. It was like almost looked like chemical burns on my body. Yeah, that's awful. And I mean, most people who, I mean, your, your issue is definitely, I, I definitely heard it before, for yeah. sure. But most people with that, with Dexcom and with other CGMs, their worry is like just having something, some, having something on their body. And that doesn't feel like the issue for you. Having something on your body doesn't seem like a concern. Yeah. So I really kind of jumped right, like headfirst into the whole diabetes technology and having stuff on me. And so, I mean, it definitely played a part into how I chose my pump um, because um, I wanted Dexcom. I was fine with having that small little piece of technology on my body. But then when it came to a pump, I'm like, okay, this is a little bit bigger. And the tube pumping, I just wasn't sure how I would manage to, you know, have the tubing hanging off of me and adjusting it with what I'm wearing and having something clipped to my waistband all the time. And it just seemed like a lot of work to have to kind of figure that out. And I wasn't ready for that. So that's why I was interested in Omnipod because I'm like, okay, there's no tubes attached. I can kind of stick it on. It doesn't affect what I have to wear and it just fit with my lifestyle so much better. So yeah, I really wasn't too worried about having stuff on my body. (laughs) It's like, all right, well, let's just go. Like, but when it, got anno- when, it, when it got annoying and irritating, then, then it mattered to you. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Especially if it was, you know, Dexcom was on my arm and then I'm wearing a short sleeve shirt and then you can see this nasty rash. Like that did get like, you know, that does hit, take a toll on your mental health and your self-esteem. It's kind of like I don't want people to see this, you know, red rash that's on my arm, like blistering. <laughs> Was it more the rash and people seeing it or was it how the rash felt? It was definitely how the rash felt because it was, it was extremely painful and extremely itchy. Mm-hmm. And even in my sleep, I would wake up in the middle of the night scratching at it, like unconsciously, you know, it was just so irritating and it would crack and bleed. And it was just, it was awful. But it sounds like a, that wasn't it for the CG. It was also the constant flow of numbers and also the alarm. So Chili took a, hit on your self-esteem and your it sounds like you felt guilty and a little shameful that like when the alarm would go off to remind you that your that your blood sugar is high maybe you're not quote unquote doing everything right yeah so it would definitely be frustrating especially when i'm already in pain and upset over it and then all of a sudden now it's like hey you're high and i'm like i know i just did that i didn't pre-bolus and um like i said i'm a teacher and so okay. at lunchtime i would I can't really pre-bolus in the classroom just because there's so much happening. And it's sometimes I don't even eat lunch when it is lunchtime. And so 
I would just bolus as soon as I'm about to start eating. So obviously like that led to a lot of highs after lunch. And so I remember trying to read a story to my classroom and I'm in the middle of the book and I can feel my watch and my phone going off because it's the Dexcom high alarms. And I'm like, I know I can't deal with that right now. And it just, that was distracting too. And so it got pretty frustrating. And honestly, I started to feel burnt out because I just didn't want to deal with it. I didn't want the pain. I didn't want the constant numbers and the alarms. And it was just, it got to be a lot and definitely took a toll on me. Did you ever think about taking your CGM off and not having one for a while? I did. Yeah. And I would do that pretty frequently with Dexcom. Actually, there would be, you know, between sites, I would take it off and I'd wait sometimes just a day, sometimes a few hours. Sometimes it was, you know, a few days I would go Mm -hmm. without it just to get that break. Because I also with Dexcom would just obsess over watching my numbers because it automatically update. And I would sit there with the app open because it changed every five minutes. Mm -hmm. And so if I opened the app and it was three or four minutes, have gone had gone by I'd sit there for the next one or two minutes just waiting for it to change I'd be like all right did the arrow am I going up am I going down am I steady is this you know going low or high and I would just sit there and watch it constantly and even my boyfriend had commented on it he's like you just you're you're a perfectionist but you gotta let it go like you're stressing yourself out by checking it and so it definitely took a toll and I definitely had a lot more anxiety um, about my blood sugar. And I was definitely harder on myself because of that. Yeah. Would you say that you're an anxious person in general? Kind of. I have my moments. Okay. <laughs> yeah. 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 I worry about a lot. Yeah. You know, different people have different reactions. to Dexcom. Some people have it on and they never check it. Right. And, yeah. and some people have it on, some people have it on and they check it all the time. And some people have it on and not, and it doesn't bother them. And they just look at their watch, so that's my blood sugar. And then move on. And some people sit, you know, like you're saying, you know, sit there and they, they think about it and worry about it and kind of obsess over the numbers. And yeah, I'm definitely a perfectionist. Okay. I'm a perfectionist in all other aspects of my life. So then when it comes to diabetes, it's like part of me was like, I have to have perfect blood sugars all the time, which is just not realistic. And I know it's not. But mm. with the Dexcom, I was like, all right, I'm high. Like, let me, I would rage bolus and I would stack so much insulin trying to bring myself down immediately if there was a high and it just, I wasn't patient. <laughs> yeah. Did you have the same type of burnout with an insulin pump or have you ever had that sort of burnout? Not really with the insulin pump. I did take a small break back in the beginning of 2020 um, mm-hmm. for a couple months actually when I was having, it was at the height of my Dexcom rashes. And so Again, my skin was just really irritated all over my body. And so finding spots to put my pump got in the way because I'm like, well, this pot is, you know, burned from Dexcom. I can't put my pump here either. And uh, so, and then sometimes my pumps get, those sites get a little itchy, but nothing like Dexcom whatsoever. And so I just kind of took a whole diabetes technology break for a while. I went back on MDI for a couple of months, but, um, I don't normally get the same kind of burnout. I like my pump. I love it, but I also love MDI. It's really, mm-hmm. I, I kind of don't have a preference. I'm like, I could do shots. That's fine. <laughs> yeah. What sort of reaction do you get from other people when you start talking about your challenge with Dexcom and wanting to switch over to a different CGM? So I actually get a lot of people in support that have been like, you know, I've had the same kind of rashes with Dexcom and a lot of people are like, you know, I never really thought about Libre as an option. And so um, a lot of people are interested to learn a little bit more about that and how I switched CGMs. 
But some people who are, you know, team Dexcom all the way, no matter what, are like, how could you? I couldn't live without my Dexcom. So I kind of get reactions all over the board. Um, But for the most part, people are like, that's awesome. You know, find the device that works best for you. And that's great that you could find that and really, you know, branch out and try new things. Other than trying new things and trying new technology and finding what works for you, what strategies have you used to better best deal with the mental health challenges around technology and diabetes? So definitely finding the devices that work best for me and my management um, and taking those technology breaks if I feel like mm-hmm. I need it. If it's getting to be kind of a lot, you, you know, telling myself, okay, I'm just going to take this off for a few hours. We're not going to worry about it right now. And then also finding people that are kind of my support bubble and will uplift me no matter what, if I'm having a hard diabetes day, like I know I can turn to them and tell them what's on my mind and what's bothering me. And they're there to support me and lift me up anyway. And they really, I have like a few people that honestly make me forget I'm diabetic when I spend time with them, which is really nice for those rough challenging days because, you know, sometimes it's just way too much on me and on my mind. And so being able to take a break and be with those people that make me relax and forget about it for a little while is much needed. So what's the best piece of advice that you've ever gotten about how to deal with the emotional challenges of living with type 1 diabetes? So my thing is um, I kind of take it from my teaching philosophy. So when it comes to the classroom, I when it comes to those challenging behavior students in my classroom, I kind of have this clean slate way of thinking that every day they come in, the slate has been wiped clean. It doesn't matter if they had a horrible day and destroyed my room the day before. It's, you know, this is a new day. I'm not going to treat them any differently. I'm going to greet them with open arms and I'm not going to let that change my perception of them. So that's kind of transferred to my diabetes where I think of it as almost like one of those challenging behavior students in my classroom. And it's, you know, I can have a really rough diabetes day where I am high all day long or really low and can't get my blood sugar up or no matter what I do, it's just, I'm on a roller coaster and can't get off. But I know that when I wake up the next day, that slate is going to be wiped clean. I can try all over again and, you know, forget about before it's really, I'm not going to let diabetes control me. Like I have diabetes, diabetes doesn't have me, you know, embracing the bad days and just kind of taking it easy on myself. On those days. Yeah, I think that's great advice. Well, Mary, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate you taking time to chat with us and letting us know about your struggles and what you've done to overcome the big struggles you've had with diabetes and technology. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. We are always talking about how awesome diabetes technology is and how far it's come over the past five and 10 years. And diabetes technology is absolutely amazing. It has huge benefits for people's diabetes management and also has huge benefits for people's mental health. But I think we have to also talk about some of the downsides of technology. I think that sometimes we're scared to talk about these challenges because it feels like somehow by acknowledging that there are challenges to using technology and that there are some downsides to it, that somehow we're betraying the technology and that we're not recognizing the value, that we have to brush aside anything that may not be positive about technology because it's so beneficial. But the truth of the matter is, while technology is really helpful and it's awesome for lots of people, 
there are some big challenges. And I think that we need to have this conversation about the challenges and really be transparent and acknowledge them. So the people who are having the challenges are validated in their experience and they're not pushed aside and and made to feel like their concerns just don't matter. I think Mary shows us a really great example about how to acknowledge the positive of the technology, but also be transparent about the challenges that, that she's been having and have some really great tips on what she's done to overcome them in order to really take care of her mental health and make sure that she is mentally healthy while using technology and not letting technology get in the way of her life. Whenever I meet someone with diabetes who's not using a CGMR pump, I usually ask them why. And other than it being too expensive, some of their biggest concerns are that wearing a pump or a CGM will remind them that they have diabetes and be a constant physical reminder of this thing that they'd just rather forget. They're also worried about it being embarrassing and people noticing that they have diabetes and it becoming too much trouble because they're constantly having to think about, you know, how do I hide this thing or how do I, how do I answer questions that may come up? And that can be a big mental health burden for folks having to think about those types of things all the time and being worried about what other people might think of them because they're wearing a CGM or a pump. That wasn't the issue for Mary. For Mary, having something on her body was no big deal, and it really didn't have an impact on how she sees herself. But Mary's challenge is really around the impact of the technology on her quality of life, the pain and the irritation she felt around the CGM adhesive, as well as the alarms and how the alarms were really interfering with her work and reminding her blood sugars were out of range, which really got in the way of doing things that were important to her, like reading stories to her students. In our conversation, Mary hit on a, really, a couple of really important points around technology and two different areas where technology has been challenging for her. The first thing is just with the realities of wearing technology and some of the challenges that having something on your body presents and also the alarms and how that impacts your life. The other part of the challenge that Mary's had is how diabetes technology and all the data has consumed her and distracted her from really paying attention to the things that are important to her in her life. And she's recognized that some of the things that make technology so valuable also bring up some very real challenges. And when you ha have those sorts of irritations, especially the physical ones around your skin, it's you know not uncommon to have thoughts like, I shouldn't feel this way and feel guilty because you're having these challenges. Or also to feel helpless um, and ask yourself, is this how it has to be? Is this how it's going to be if I'm going to manage my diabetes well? Do I have to endure this? Those types of thoughts and those types of worries can really be a big burden on your mental health. You feel like you, have to, you may have to choose between you know, dealing with some pretty uncomfortable physical sensations and managing your diabetes well. And then there's the issue of alarms. And I don't know anybody, including myself, who doesn't get annoyed with CGM alarms sometimes. And CGM alarms are really valuable, and they certainly have saved saved me many times from having severe lows at night. But at the same time, let's be honest with each other. CGM alarms can be really annoying, especially when they interrupt you at work or in other situations where there's not convenient. But also CGM alarms can make you feel overwhelmed. And also they can make you feel very self-conscious and shameful about your blood sugars because when the CGM alarm goes off, it's a reminder that not only do you have diabetes, but your blood sugar is out of range. And, and that oftentimes triggers thoughts that you've done something wrong. It can also be frustrating to hear those alarms on a regular basis. 
And it can lead to burnout. It can lead to embarrassment. It can lead to all kinds of negative emotions that people don't want to deal with. And alarms, while they're really one of the most valuable parts of wearing a CGM for some people, they can also be one of the biggest sources of stress. And then, of course, there's the data, which is another double-edged sword for lots of people. When I talk about CGMs to people who haven't heard of them or are considering them, the way that I describe them is, imagine that you're going on a vacation to Hawaii and you have two options. One option is to take a camera with you and you have four pictures you could take a day. So you take a picture before breakfast, maybe you take a picture after lunch, before dinner, and before you go to bed. And then you come home and you show your friend, I wanna tell you about my trip to Hawaii. And so you show them these four pictures and they get a kind of a sense about what Hawaii was like, but not a real sense. Then the other option for you is you have a video camera or a phone with the video on it, and you're able to film your entire vacation. You're able to show your friend in really vivid detail what your vacation was like, and they have a much greater appreciation and understanding about your experience. The same thing is true for CGM data you know, versus fingerstick data. With fingerstick data, you get a couple pictures a day. And so you say, okay, after breakfast, my blood sugar was 123. After lunch, it was 257. After dinner, it was 115. And in the middle of the night, it was 83. That's all really good information. And you can see some general trends there. But with CGM data, you get a reading every five minutes. So it's like having a video camera on your day that you can go back and review. That's all extremely valuable. But for some people like Mary, that data becomes too much, either because it's constant data overload or because you're always thinking about the data. And because the data is always available, you're always looking at it. And that can fuel perfectionism or a worry that you're not doing good enough with your diabetes management and that somehow you have to do better and really allow the data to consume you. And when the data consumes you, diabetes consumes you. I wanna live my life with diabetes along for the ride and I don't want diabetes to consume me. But when you allow the data to consume you, you're always thinking about it, which is actually the exact opposite of what most people want. Most people don't wanna think about diabetes all the time, but when you have a constant flow of data and you're constantly checking the data to make sure your blood sugars are in a range and constantly correcting, that takes up a lot of headspace. And when you take up that headspace, you get distracted from what's important. You're not able to focus on your relationships. You're not able to focus on your work. You're not, not able to focus on the things that are really important to you. And for some people, CGM data just becomes too much and becomes a distraction. So taking a break from the data and not having access to it all the time can be a really helpful way to improve your mental health. Certainly, we want to make sure that you have all the tools you need to manage your diabetes effectively, but constant data may not be the best tool for everybody. I think that Mary gave us some great tips about how to make diabetes technology, especially CGMs, work for you and also work for your mental health. The first is taking breaks to recognize that diabetes technology is really helpful, but a break from it sometimes can go a long way in clearing up some headspace and helping you to improve your mental health. Also, there's no one-size-fits-all solution, that everybody has their own preferences and their own needs for their lifestyle. And so finding what works for you, both in terms of what technology you're using and what brands you're using, but also how you use it, is really important. Uh, some people use technology all the time, and that's awesome, but there's no one right way. 
I tell my patients all the time, if you're using a pump, no one says that using a pump is a commitment. You're not getting married to the pump. You can use the pump when you want to. So you you may have one day when you use it and one day when you don't and go back on injections. And that's totally fine. Using technology in a way that, that works for you can take a stress off. And knowing that you can live your life and you can manage diabetes in the in the way that's best for you today. And what's best for you today may not be the best for you tomorrow, and that's totally fine. And then finally, I really love Mary's advice about how to deal with the mental health challenges of diabetes. I think we have to recognize that every day is different, and some days are going to be challenging, and some days are going to be easier. But when you have a difficult day, taking a blank slate approach to the next day. Yesterday was tough, but today is a new day. It's a blank slate. And just because yesterday was tough doesn't mean today has to be as well. That's such awesome advice and something that we could all learn something from. One of my favorite parts about doing this podcast is hearing from you. And I would love to hear from you about what sorts of mental health challenges you've dealt with in using technology and what's been helpful for you in overcoming them. To get in touch, go to my website, thediabetespsychologist.com, or send me an email to mark at thediabetespsychologist.com. That does it for this episode of the Diabetes Psychologist Podcast. If you like what you heard, I would really appreciate it if you would post a review and leave a five-star rating on iTunes. That will help me make sure that other people are able to get the same benefit from this podcast that you did. Also, be sure to tune in next time for an all-new episode of the Diabetes Psychologist Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. For more resources, you can visit www.thediabetespsychologist.com and be sure to sign up for the email list for access to exclusive content. I'm Dr. Mark Heyman, and tune in next time for the latest episode of the Diabetes Psychologist Podcast. Podcast.